This is Donald Parham of the LA Chargers, and you're listening to Chargers Unleashed, part of the LA Football Network. Stay tuned. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jay Kepner and Dan Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, is being brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, AG1, Aura, Mint Mobile, and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning in the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And of course, if you're listening on ESPN Radio, thanks so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Uh, on this episode today, we went through our GM breakdowns, all of our candidates that we had for the potential filling of the Chargers GM opening with Tom Telesco now being out. We went through all of those GM candidates just roughly about a week ago. And now today we're going to be breaking down all of our top head coaching candidates that especially over the next week, you could really see some of those interviews pick up. But before we jump into all of that, Dan Walkenstein, how are you, sir? I'm great. I'm great. We are on the tail end of 2023, moving on to 2024 pump for what is in store it's gonna be a fun episode today lots of hope and excitement around the head coaching candidate and the cycle that we're about to endure funny chargers have a game against the broncos this weekend and we're not really talking about it much there's a lot to see in it in terms of youth potential all that jazz we're talking head coaches because that's what matters in 2024 and beyond and they're not winning a super bowl this year so we're going to talk about guys who can possibly lead the ship to a lombardi trophy but i'm doing good Jake, how you doing? Good. You know, me, you know me. Mentally, I'm already in 2024. Uh, more specifically, April of 2024. <laughs> when it comes to this, a lot of our conversations have been uh, about offline. But obviously, as we gear up over these next two weeks, the head coach and the GM positions for the Chargers are going to be what is talked about in a lot of conversations because the interviews are going to ramp up here very, very quickly as we get close to the end of the 2023 regular season. So Dan and I wanted to preface this in two type of ways. This is how we wanted to structure it because we know that this has been a conversation that in certain circumstances has essentially divided Chargers fans. No, whether it's Chargers fans divided. No, <laughs> whether it's the conversations of the people who want an experienced head coach because the Chargers under Tom Telesco went three first-time head coaches with Mike McCoy, with Anthony Lynn, and then more recently with Brandon Staley. So people want to go back to a more veteran presence because they believe that that's what's needed with Justin Herbert at the helm. Or there are still the people that believe that based off of skill set and the way that the game has evolved and what you see from what these individuals are doing with their respectful teams as coordinators right now, that the first-time head coaches could still work out under a different GM and a different front office regime. So we're going to make cases for both and not discrediting anybody <laughs> on what your, whatever your views may be. Let, you know, let us know in the comments, hell, let us know what you feel are the right head coaching decisions and you rank them and put them in the comments, make sure to do that. So Dan, let's get into this. Let's start off with the veteran presence, which should shock nobody as far as who we're going to have at the top of this list. But as I tease there just a little bit, veteran head head coach getting away from this first-time head coach is what a lot of people's argument is right now. And obviously, you start that off with one of the individuals that's going to be talked about a lot over this weekend when he goes up against his matchup against Alabama on New Year's Day. But it's been teased a lot over the last couple of weeks. Will Jim Harbaugh be the next head coach of the Chargers? Dan, initial thoughts on this. There's so many things here that obviously make sense from <laughs> Justin Herbert's standpoint. 
I think more of the question is, you go out and you target a guy like Jim Harbaugh, and you start thinking, okay, well, what's going to have to come with that outside of just the head coaching responsibilities? The Chargers would have to basically go outside of their comfort zone to financially, financially, and even from a front office standpoint in terms of creative control and in terms of how this roster is going to be built. So getting Jim Harbaugh, while obviously would have to net a big price tag, which John Spanos has said that they are not opposed to doing in this next head coaching search because they know how crucial it is for the next five years of development for Justin Herbert. But we know how this Chargers front office has been organized. And even regardless of whether Jim Harbaugh comes here and you get a GM, in terms of giving that front office responsibility, almost like a pseudo GM, if you will, there's a good case to be made, honestly, for this, for Jim Harbaugh, considering the fact that what he's done in Michigan for several years now, knowing the type of college talent that not only that he's had under his belt or people that have played for him, but people that he's played against, great evaluator of college talent in that in that circumstance, great college head coach has proven that. And then, of course, had his great stint with the 49ers before ultimately that ended up dissolving due to a bad regime. So just 50,000 foot view of this. Jim Harbaugh is yours and mine, number one head coaching, regardless of veteran or first timer. But just your outlook on this in terms of bringing a guy like Jim Harbaugh into this organization. Yeah, a a lot there to unpack. And I think it's important before talking about like specific candidates to talk about like qualities and characteristics that this Chargers team needs and then kind of matching those characteristics to the coach candidate. Jim Harbaugh honestly checks almost every box I can think of for what this Chargers team lacks and needs. More importantly than any of those things is the ability to bring an organization from the ashes and rise to championship expectations and competing for championships. That happened, again, ashes to championship level play happened everywhere he's gone. San Francisco, Stanford, Michigan, all of those. He brought those organizations to championship contending titles. So we could talk about like the the characteristics of, you know, leader of men and pretty rough around the edges and will uh, not he's not afraid to ruffle feathers and he's a kind of offensive coach in nature and he's a quarterback's guy and he brings with him kind of like a stature and respect and a kind of a commander type all of those things are what this team needs. And so as you go through, when you look at these candidates, experience or not, which is another thing that Jim Harbaugh trumps probably everyone on this list except for the guy over in New England, but not for long. Experience matters to some. To others, not so much. And you look at what like the, the Spanos family said in that statement when they did let go of Tom Telesco, in Brandon Staley, of like, they need a new vision. And you could take that whichever way you want, but what does new vision look like? Literally new, forward-thinking new, or new as in different than what they've had previously? So, the Jim Harbaugh stuff just makes too much sense. 
and there's so there's so much smoke going on right now and typically they say where there's smoke there's fire and there is smoke all across the country as it relates to Jim Harbaugh and the NFL but more importantly for the Chargers in his press conference he declined to answer any questions when asked directly about the potential taking over the Chargers head coaching position Dan there's been rumors that have been swirling that you know hey could be leaked news from his camp whatever it may be just from the standpoint of you know hell think about it this Dan there's one of two ways you could look at this in the next week depending on whether or not Michigan beats Alabama Jim Harbaugh could be taking interviews if he hasn't been talking to people on the back end anyways or let's just think about this imagine if he wins the entire thing and then and then just say I'm going to go out like John Elway did when I won my last Super Bowl and go off on a high note. And that would just be like the best send off possibly for his college coaching career, given what he's been trying to do there at Michigan for so long. And then there's, you look at Michigan's standpoint from, again, here's where the financials come into play. There's been reports of them wanting to offer him a huge contract extension. Now, whether or not this is, this is, True under the rumor mill. This is the, but this is some of the things that have been out there. And like Dan said, where there's smoke, there's fire. But from both sides, I feel like Michigan, especially if he won the thing, I feel like Michigan would actually make a hard press to keep him. Now, whether or not, now whether or not Harbaugh would ultimately stay is, is totally up, up to him and could totally change that trajectory. But I feel from both sides, the Chargers, in order to get Jim Harbaugh, are going to have to have to open up their wallet, regardless, and it may be higher than what they were originally expected to do. But to your point, Dan, in terms of everything that John Spano said of changing the culture, having a new vision, the starting quarterback that you have, it's still twenty-five years old. Where are you going to carry him over these next five years? All of these things make sense to why Jim Harbaugh would be the number one choice. Why? So sometimes I like to play the other side of this to kind of look around the corner, if you will. Why would it not work? Why would he not be a good candidate? And some people would say, oh, you know, ruffles feathers. And there have been questions. There was stuff happening with San Francisco and the things happening with him and the leadership and kind of pushing his way out, which is true. Like a lot of that, I, I would think is true. It, it looks like it was true. But to extrapolate that out and say that's him in his, his entire career, you can't say that's true. Because literally right now, Michigan is trying to give him $150 million for 10 years. So you can say what you will about him running himself out of town or him you know, not being a long-term solution, but Michigan sure wants him to be a long-term solution. So I I don't think that one carries any weight anymore. Uh, personality, I think people say, oh, maybe he's too much of a personality. He might rub people the wrong way. I don't care. I think that's what this team needs, is someone who it's his culture established, established by him, fall in line. It's proven to work with him. So, Jake, like, what, why, what are the concerns, if there are any? There's all like everyone always has a weakness. I just watched draft date, by the way. There's always a weakness. Can you live with it? What is the weakness? 
it's really hard to pinpoint it though, Dan. I mean, I, to your point, I think the only potential weakness would be that the relationship that he ended up having with the San Francisco front office during his final years there at San Francisco. Now, I feel like th- th- that you fast forward and obviously take into everything in account that has happened with Jim Harbaugh between that time in San Francisco up until now. This is just simply the perfect scenario for him to, for him to come into because he almost came to the NFL last year, by the way. The Chargers currently still, again, are in the process of hiring a GM. And I would believe that whichever head coach that the Chargers end up bringing in, and whether or not they hire him before the GM or not, that you're going to have a collaborative partnership between both GM and head coach in this circumstance. And so I would I would believe that if Jim Harbaugh was to come in here, I don't think that the same issues would necessarily arise that happened with San Francisco all those years ago. And not to say that they wouldn't over time possibly, yeah, is it yeah, still a possibility? Yeah, put on the people. Yeah. Yes. But if you're able to create that type of collaborative relationship, if that's the only weakness that we're talking about with, with Jim Harbaugh, hell, the Chargers had had that issue back in 2006 between Marty Schottenheimer and A.J. Smith, and we know how that ended up. Mm-hmm. But I think from the standpoint of Jim experiencing that with San Francisco, then you fast forward to now and all the success that he's had at Michigan ever since, and then with the possibility of getting his next shot at a head coaching opportunity with a very, very good quarterback at the helm. I think you may be able to say Jim Harbaugh may not make that mistake twice, whatever those conversations were, even if they were mistakes made by him or whether they were made by the front office. I think that you pairing him with a GM at this point in time is the perfect thing to negate any of that thought process. Realistically, Jim Harbaugh is probably the only option here other than maybe Bill Belichick that it would make sense to hire him first to bring him and then a GM everyone else that we'll talk about here, which again, we have some names here, which we'll get to both experienced and forward thinking first timers. If they were to be a head coach, probably need a GM first. There there's so many rumors swirling around the chargers and Jim Harbaugh. And there's a reason for that. Like he has a history with this team. He played for this team. He was around this organization back in San Diego often he was just at Disneyland. Like he was what 15 miles away from Costa Mesa where the team travels. The team practiced where the Chargers practice this weekend. Like there, there's so many connections here and that stuff at the end doesn't really, it's not that big a deal. It really isn't, but you hear rumors that there's already a deal in place. You hear rumors that the Chargers and Jim Harbaugh have already been in communication and that you've heard rumors that the Chargers have him high on their priority list. You see it in national media. People are talking about this. Like, it makes sense. And I do think while he is our number one option, it is smart to not put all of your eggs in one basket. Correct. Which is why we're having this conversation. Now, there's, in all honesty, probably three or four head coaching candidates that I would be excited about. Most excited would probably be Jim Harbaugh. But other than the three or four, 
I think it's smart to understand who's out there. I think it's smart to understand kind of what they're going up against. But if we're being honest, Jake, if any of the other folks other than the four realistically get the job, I don't know if Chargers fans are going to be excited about it. I don't know if national media or people are going to think, wow, this is a new culture, a new identity. This is a new way of thinking for the team. I don't know. The team is supposedly needing to swing big. If they're going to swing big, three or four. Honestly, if they're swinging big, two, three, maybe. So experience versus inexperience. The first group we're talking about here is experience. Second group is inexperience, but lots of excitement generated because of their success in their current roles. We say experience as experienced head coaches versus just experienced coaches. Other experienced coaches that are possible candidates for the Chargers. Bill Belichick, which that comes with baggage. And I think because of that baggage, I'm out. It comes with, comes with a lot of questions, Dan. <laughs> it comes with a lot of questions. Now, I understand there are a lot of Chargers fans that want Bill Belichick to come and be the head coach of this team. Well, they want Bill Belichick the head coach. Right. Well, <laughs> I don't know if people have been that specific about it. You and I are being that specific about it. Others, I don't think they care regardless. <laughs> it's just it's basically might be just, fair. just might be get fair. the arguably the greatest head coach in the history of the game over to this team is basically what their thought process is. Uh, real quick, for everybody who's listening on ESPN, thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to listen to this in episode in its entirety, make sure to go over to Chargers Unleashed on YouTube. Thanks so much for tuning in. So continuing with that, Dan. Again, there's a lot of questions around Bill Belichick. I get it from the standpoint of what he has done during his tenure in New England, created and sustained a dynasty with Tom Brady that was the for the better part of two decades, won six Super Bowls. I don't think there's anybody out there, whether he's from, whether you're talking New England or any other previous stint that he had from a defensive-minded coach that Bill Belichick is up there and what he can do from still to this day, putting together a defense, which the Chargers have been statistically bad in over the last three years. I totally get that argument and why all of that would make sense. However, (laughs) however, how long is Bill Belichick going to coach for? He's 71 years old. And this is a report coming from the Athletics Chad Graff that actually had written that if Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots were to part, he'd be seeking upwards of $25 million per year. Now, Spanoses have said, you know, it's kind of like uh, John Hammond in Jurassic, Jurassic Park, spare no expense type of thing. We'll see how, how true to their word they actually mean for this. But expecting $25 million per year for a coach that's 71 years old that you really don't know how much longer he is going to be coaching for. That's a big question mark to me. Number two, go on, go on, Dan. No, go ahead. I I was going to say, even as kind of as Dan was alluding to this whole aspect of, if you want Bill Belichick to come in here and be the head coach and just the head coach, this is kind of the big kicker for me. Because... You're not 
paying Bill Belichick and having him come in to be the head coach of this team for what he's necessarily done over the... Why you take that into account? Yes, what he's done in New England is reputable. Can't take that away from him. But I'm looking at what he's done post-Tom Brady. And post-Tom Brady, especially on the offensive side of the ball, it hasn't looked pretty. And because Bill Belichick has the GM role attached to his name in New England... You go back and you look at some of those drafts over the last couple of years, and we've talked about plenty of Tom Telesco drafts that have been failures over the last couple of years. It doesn't look any better when you look at what the New England Patriots have done from a roster construction standpoint over those last few years. I feel like Bill Belichick would still want that type of control for whatever coaching job that he would come into. And that also gives me questions. So there's a fine line in terms of responsibilities is the Mm -hmm. biggest hurdle that would, I guess, point me in the other direction (laughs) in this role, to put it in so many words. Yeah, and when I think of experience, I mean, point blank, there is no head coaching candidate, either without a job or with a job, in almost any profession aside from maybe college basketball for women that has had more success than Bill Belichick winning as head coach of our generation. And you could argue one of the greatest head coaches of all time. At this point, I question the why for some of these head coaches. And I think that's important when you think about which coaches you want for this team. How hungry do you think Bill Belichick is right now? Honestly, 71, whatever the age he is, he won a crap ton with New England. What does another Super Bowl do for him? Other than he can win without Tom Brady, which he's been trying to prove for the last however many years. He's 25 million. Like, is that his why? Is that what's going to take for you to leave New England or to keep coaching? And you're going to coach because you get paid a lot? I don't think that's the coach I want. He's a great coach, but I don't know what's in it for him. Honestly, I genuinely don't know if he is as hungry as Bill Belichick was 15 years ago. You look at, oh, go, sorry, go, yeah, go ahead. And we'll, we'll see. Like, I don't even know if he's coaching again. Like, he might retire. We don't know that. And so I don't know if that's the coach I want. I don't want the coach on his last treads. I just don't think that's smart business for a team that needs to shift the culture only for that culture to probably retire in two years. I just don't think that's smart. For folks tuning in on ESPN Radio, thank you. Again, as Jake said, you can find us on LAC underscore Unleashed on X. You can listen to the rest of this on Twitter, anywhere you get your uh, podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. But Jake, I just don't, I just don't know. And that's not even talking about the GM hat. So I know we've got a little long here on these two experienced guys. But it was required. There are some others that have experience. I think we should at least mention. Again, these are some of the guys I don't necessarily know. Either A, are that likely to even be available, or B, would really move the needle. We've heard rumors of a Mike Tomlin. First, you heard rumors that he was going to get fired, which is so crazy to me. 
Now it doesn't seem like it because now the possibility that he could end up over 500 yet again. Yep. Um, Dan, the tune, I mean, obviously, if for some reason Mike Tomlin became available, I mean, this would shift this whole list dramatically, in my opinion, because if he became available, 31 other teams should be on the phone with his representation immediately. It's really wild considering how long he has been a head coach and not once still with the pending 2023 final season result that he has never had a losing season. That is, that is impressive. Yep. The other ones have been thrown around. Dan Quinn is another one that's been thrown around. Dan, you have mentioned this one in particular. And this is another one that I'm just, I'm a little iffy on. And I get it. You're looking experience. You go to, this is the guy who helped lead the Atlanta Falcons along with Kyle, Han- Kyle Shanahan to the Super Bowl, unfortunately. <laughs> Ended in one of the, the, wor- <laughs> the worst comeback losses in the history that all new England fans love to rub in, in Dan Quinn's face. Um, but this has a little bit of, and, and, and I'm not trying to, to put Brandon Steely down in this circumstance, but this has a little bit more of that kind of feel for me, just from the standpoint of what Dan Quinn has been able to do with the Dallas Cowboys. And when you look at that Dallas Cowboys defense, that defense is loaded over there. Stacked. So there are some positives that you can maybe look at this to say, okay, if Dan Quinn was to come over and be the head coach, you could possibly see a reason to keep Kellen Moore for whatever that is worth to anybody. Obviously, people have differing opinions on him, but in the in the standpoint of keeping continuity for Justin Herbert for an offensive coordinator standpoint, and they have familiarity with working together, I could see all that. But Dan Quinn as coming over, I, I, I'm not sure from the standpoint, I, 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 it, it, it gives me too much of the Brandon Staley feels as far as are you riding off of the results of the talent that Dallas has? And can you replicate that when you know you're already now at an aging defense? Are you going to be able to replicate some of those results? I'm hesitant on that, but I understand the reasons why people can make an argument for Dan Quinn. Yeah, I think there's something to be said about coaches who have, you know, risen, then have fallen, then have kind of picked themselves back up and have risen again. And I think about like how Brandon Staley is probably going to have to shift his career a little bit. You know, he rose real quick, then fell with the Chargers and is going to have to pick himself up again. Dan Quinn is kind of an example of a coach who Super Bowl appearance lost kind of got shot back down and has now had that Dallas defense humming for years. I think it's like five years, three, four, five years. He already interviewed for jobs last year for head coaching candidate. And apparently, according to sources, he probably would have taken them if the Cowboys hadn't given him a bump of salary. So he's there. And I think he's a good defensive mind. And he is definitely like a culture shift from what the Chargers have had, leader of men, and possibly bringing the secondary coach over wouldn't be a bad thing either from the Cowboys. But the one thing that I do put some weight in for any of the coaching candidates that are out there that are defensive-minded is that does not bode well for consistency for Justin Herbert. And that's the one thing that he has not had throughout his college or NFL career 
is any sort of consistency with offensive scheme. He has gone through so many offensive coordinators and schemes throughout his career, and it's not fair. I know it's life. He's a franchise quarterback, but that is not fair for a quarterback who's supposed to be going as far as he should. And so that's probably the biggest deterrent for me. It's not the experience. It's not the, you know, any of the, it's just the fact that he's on the defensive side. And with that comes churn. Whereas if you went a Harbaugh or you went someone else we'll talk about here in a bit, it doesn't matter who the offensive coordinator is because the head coach is the guy who has the mind and sets the stage. So Dan Quinn's out there. You've got guys like, I don't know, you could talk about Brian Flores was the last one that I wanted to get into before we jumped into the first time head coaches. But there's also guys like Jim Schwartz and Frank I mean, Reich and all these other names yes. that are out there. Like the argument of experience versus, you know, first time head coaches for as many first time head coaches that have failed. Go look at the ones who've had experience and failed too. So it's not about the experience only. There's a lot of things that go into it. That's not the thing that deter that determines if a coach is going to succeed, in my opinion. But you mentioned Brian Flores. Brian Flores, I just I really like what he has done with his kind of resurgence as a defensive coordinator, especially with Minnesota. There's been pieces that have been written as far as schemes that he has ripped from college football and come up with a very unique defense that Minnesota has run. And of course, when you go back and you think about it, it's like, okay, that this Brian Flores came up through the New England Patriots and he saw his head coaching tenure during Miami. And that did that didn't end in the most spectacular fashion from personnel, from front office, lawsuit, whatever you want to call it. But from a standpoint, I think if you look at a potential retread and you t- can take away things that Brian Flores has learned in that circumstance, and I just like what he's bringing to the table. If anybody wants to make the argument for another defensive coordinator, defensive mind to be the head coach of this team, even though that Dan and I personally believe that it should be an offensive mind led head coach of this team next, just to help take Justin Herbert to the next level that he needs to be at. But Brian Flores, as a defensive-minded head coach, and then what you see what he's done now as a coordinator after his tenure as a Miami head coach, I really like it. I really like what I've seen. You go and you look at those schemes and what he has been able to create. It's also freaking fun, man. He blitzes more than anybody. It's crazy. You'd be a little white knuckle the whole way, but it'd be fun. Yes. And and blitzing, yeah, there's definitely a lot of risk in it when you blitz that much because Justin Herbert proved against that very defense what he could do to it when you blitz that much. But I would really like to see a Brian Flores in consideration for head coaching candidate, regardless of whether it's Chargers or not. I think he's earned it, and I think he's one of the better retread options that's out there. So I wouldn't be disappointed with it, and I would be interested to know that if if that ended up being the case, how that staff would be constructed and how this defense would ultimately change. That has me intrigued for the future. No doubt about it. Yeah. So other side of the coin is I don't hate saying inexperience, but first time head coaching candidates. First time. Probably the better way to say it. There's so many candidates out there and you can go on and on and on. And Jake and I are going to go through a handful here. But again, like we said earlier, there's probably a short list of guys that I think would re- actually move the needle that 
Chargers fans. And again, you said it like people are split on which coaching candidates they want. And they'll always will be. But there's probably only a few of these first time head coaching candidates that a good chunk of Chargers fans would be excited about. I think I at the top prep- of the list. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. But before you get to the top one, which should be obvious to everyone who we're going to talk about here in a second, I want to just preface with this. And this is, again, why we're separating it like this, because we're making arguments for both sides of the you know, experience versus first-time head coaches. And for anybody, obviously, thinking that the track record that the Chargers have had over the, their last three first-time head coaches, and Mike McCoy, Anthony Lynn, most recently Brandon Staley, remember who the common denominator was between those three, and that was Tom Telesco. That's number one. Number two, you could look at so many other examples in this league from first-time head coaches with very similar tenures as far as Brandon Staley's was and how fast they rose up, and now you see the success that they're currently at. Hell, Nick Sirianni, who was a member of this organization for years, was an an offensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts for two seasons before he got the Philadelphia Eagles head coaching position. I would say that his results have spoken pretty well over the last couple of years. The person who was the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles before Nick Sirianni, Doug Peterson. You know how long Doug Peterson was an offensive coordinator for and held that title for for Kansas City for two years before he got the job for the Philadelphia Eagles, took them to their Super Bowl. Pretty damn good. Look at the Miami Dolphins. Ah. You go back and you look at how many first-time head coaches that they have recycled over and over and over again, Dan. Cam Cameron. Remember Cam Cameron when he was the offensive coordinator of this team? Cam Cameron was a first-time head coach in Miami. Obviously, didn't go so well. Tony Sperano was a first-time head coach. Then it was Joe Philman, who was the renowned guru in Green Bay at that time, and he did not end up doing well during his first coaching stint. Dan Campbell ended up being the interim head coach when Joe Philman was out. Then you had Adam Gase. <laughs> you had Adam Gase. Oh, man. Then you had Brian Flores, and then you ultimately land on Mike McDonald. And before, or excuse me, Mike McDaniel. And before you ended up getting Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel was an offensive coordinator for one season. For one season. Last but I want to make an example of Dan, and this is and this is more notice, notably about the game last night. Look at what Kevin Stefanski has done with the Cleveland Browns. Kid. Lord. Here was a guy who was an offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings for two seasons before he took the head coaching gig in Cleveland in 2020. And yes, it probably hasn't been the easiest path to get there, but you just look at this season in a microcosm, losing your star running back, losing multiple offensive linemen, you're on your fourth quarterback. You essentially took Joe Flacco from eating Funyuns on his couch to throwing touchdowns in Cleveland. And you have now secured a playoff spot and still could potentially take them far with the way that they're playing right now. There is basically to sum everything up there, there is no single formula to follow that is a guarantee for success. So with that, Dan, let's attempt to make the case (laughs) for the Detroit Lions offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson. There's a lot to love about Ben Johnson. And I think that, first off, 
uh, new part of Chargers Unleashed. Uh, Jason Belehi did an excellent piece on Ben Johnson, his scheme, why it's effective, how it could work with Keenan Allen, how it has worked with Motion and Sam Laporta and Amon Ross St. Brown. There's a lot to be said about Ben Johnson and what he has done for the culture, for the consistency, for the production, for the players of that Detroit Lions team. If there was one candidate that has not been a head coach before that I would trust for this Chargers team, it would be Ben Johnson. There are a couple others that are intriguing, but what Ben Johnson has done, not only what he's doing this year with the talent that he has, but what he has built from the talent they did not have is something that should be acknowledged and applauded. Because... Not so long ago, that Lions team was a joke and penciled in as a win for every other team. Week one, it going into Kansas City, this team goes and wins. And you go look at their record this year and look how well they have performed, how consistently they've been running and passing with those guys. It's impressive. And that follows the mold of. If he was going to be the head coach, he's an offensive mind. He would stay with Justin Herbert. You can kind of hitch those two wagons together, which, again, Justin hasn't had before. It makes sense. So when you look at the two kind of top candidates, Jim Harbaugh, Ben Johnson, they are very different in a lot of regards, but they are also similar. Similar offensive-minded. Similar quarterback guru. Similar scheme, similar built culture, built a successful organization for the ground up, reaping the rewards now. Different experience. I think some of the the moxie, if you will, probably leans towards Jim Harbaugh a bit. But Ben Johnson has it too. The team needs someone who is not afraid to speak up publicly in private and shift the culture based on experience and success that they've had. I know people want to poo-poo the Lions, but what they've done is impressive. So yeah, I think he's number two for me. You talk about being part of a culture shift. I mean, the attitude that Dan Campbell has brought into that locker room has carried with coaches and players alike. So Ben Johnson knows what a culture shift feels like, what's required for it. And what I really like from Ben Johnson, as opposed to not necessarily other candidates on this list, Dan, but people who may be poo-pooing the idea of to say, oh, he only has, you know, two years of coordinator experience. You know, the Chargers have already been through that. They've done that. We don't need that again. Well, he's also been with that organization for really almost about five years. And he's worked his way up significantly with one organization. Not saying a linebacker's coach here or a defensive coordinator's here or you know whatever it may be if you're trying to follow the next line from Brandon Staley and what that was like. He's part of an organization that <laughs> in 2019, the Detroit Lions were not a good team. Nope. And basically have been on the bad side of relevancy for the past 30 years. 
And now look at what has taken place over those last two years since Dan Campbell has come in there and do it and, and, and taken the reins. And what I really liked was Ben Johnson, when the head coaching interviews were coming out last year, Dan, Ben Johnson took his name out of contention. He wanted to go back to the Lions because of what was being built there, the culture that was being built there, the personnel that had been built there. And now you look at the results just a year later, and they kind of speak for themselves. So you've heard a lot of like reports coming out saying that he's demanding $15 million a year for a first-time head coach. And honestly, I read that report, and I immediately thought this has to be either disinformation from the Lions to not get people interested. But there's no way that I could see somebody's rep- – I mean, he's going to be the number one of the top candidates, no doubt about it. There, there's going to be a bidding war for him. But I struggle to believe that for a first-time head coach that this would be the type of information that would be leaked before head coaching interviews are to be – interviews are even to be had at this point. So I was very I – was I was a bit skeptic about that report. I don't know necessarily how true that is going to be because some people, when they read that, they automatically took him off the list. But I read that and I'm just like, I'm thinking between the lines and it didn't sound like the most accurate type news to me that 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 type of report would leak at this point in time. Yeah, it sounded like a negotiation tactic. Yes. Honestly. So yeah, Ben Johnson, number one. I think for both of us, of the first time head coaching options, Ben Johnson, number one. Then after that, there's a few here that we can talk about. Bobby Slowick, for me, not a name that a lot of people know, but what he did in San Francisco with that offense as a coordinator, I think it was a passing game coordinator, then brought over to the Texans, and you're seeing what that what he did in the first year with those rookies in that offense. They're a playoff team, even with C.J. Stroud missing a few games with a concussion. That Texans team, talk about a culture shift. Another joke of a franchise for a lot of people externally. That team looks fun, promising, and they got some dudes. That culture's been shifted. Bobby Slowick is a part of that. And that offense, great mind. I like him a lot. Give yourself credit too, Dan, because you were big on the Bobby Slowick offensive coordinating role for last year before Kellen Moore ultimately ended up taking the jobs. So... Dan's a big Bobby Slowick fan. <laughs> yeah, but they're like the list of the, you know, first time head coaches would be up. There. There's a lot of guys. You can talk about Eric Bieniemy, who's a name you've heard for a long time. That'd be kind of interesting to see him being pulled from the Chiefs and the Commanders now. But imagine him coming back to the Chargers. Eric Bieniemy versus a uh, Andy Reid. Like I'm, I'm here for that. Give me some popcorn. Do I think he's the best candidate? No, but there's a bunch of guys that are on this list that like, again, we're talking about the guys now who I don't think move the needle for most, but they're candidates and the charge talked about casting a wide net. Do you think that there's a realistic possibility? And I say this not from the standpoint of the chargers being interested because I ultimately think they should. Do you think that Frank Smith would consider coming back and being the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. Remember, he was the run game coordinator and the offensive line coach in 2021, which arguably was the last time 
that this offensive line saw any success and this running game saw any success. I like Frank Smith, man. I really like Frank Smith as well. And, and I look think at what you, that Dolphins offense looks like. How freaking and this fun is in is his that? and this is in his one year essentially as as the, the offensive coordinator. It, it now is, you can argue it, you can argue the offense kind of similar to what you said about Dan Quinn. You could argue that that offense is loaded with playmakers, right? And that and, I mean, it's true. And pardon me, it's his second year as offensive coordinator. But regardless, yes, to your point, Dan, look what he's done. I like Frank Smith. I really do. He's probably in that same tier that's right below Ben Johnson for first-time head coaching candidates that if they don't go Ben Johnson, they don't go Jim Harbaugh for whatever reason, he's that next tier. I think the last one that I would consider, Dan, and again, we'll get to the rankings here in just a second. When you look at what Mike McDaniel, Mike, I always confuse Mike McDaniel and Mike, Mike McDonald. McDonald. It's just yeah. way too damn close. <laughs> Mike McDonald, what he has been able to do with that Ravens defense. And again, this would be very much in the same type of line of the up and coming rise of Brandon Staley that he saw shoot up so fast. Mike McDonald's another example of that. And I totally get that. But I, I again, this is from the standpoint of the Chargers casting a wide net i while i definitely believe that they have their favorites you have to think of a reality that they may not be able to get some of those top guys you you just do and if that should be the case then they shouldn't necessarily pigeonhole themselves into an offensive guy a defensive guy experience first time they shouldn't necessarily you know put themselves in that position they've gone they've gone all in before and unfortunately, that hasn't worked out for us. So I don't think that they should go all in in this circumstance, even though I know how favorable it is. Still have your contingency plans in place. Yep, but, I agree. But Mike McDonald, Dan, I, I love what he's done with that Baltimore defense. Again, if we're, if we're looking at it from two sides of coin to say, who's going to be able to take Justin Herbert to the next level, but also how are you going to improve the defense? I don't necessarily think that Mike McDonald would be coming over as a, as a head coach and necessarily take up the same defensive coordinator responsibilities like Brandon Staley did. I do yeah. believe that there would be a defensive coordinator under Mike McDonald in that circumstance. But I think as one of the guys who's probably going to get head coach consideration, whether it's this year for the Chargers or any other team, he's definitely somebody that's going to have a head coaching position in the years to come. So... Jake, let's get to it. Stack rank. Let's go opposite direction. Let's just do top three. Three to one. Three to one. Okay. So I will preface this because my thought process is that I feel that the Chargers need an offensive-minded head coach for their next hire. And because of that, whether we're we're counting in experience or not, that's how I'm tailoring my position. So, yes, you're going to hear some people that me not mention, but that's how I'm tailoring my argument for this specific one. And if that's the case, then I would have to say that it's probably Frank Smith at number three. Frank Smith at number three for me. Familiarity with the Chargers. Again, what he had 
assisted in doing for that offensive line, for that running game. If you want to help invest in Justin Herbert, you want to improve that offensive line. The run game obviously has been atrocious, if not non-existent for the Chargers all season long. I feel like he would have a very creative way to bring that back to relevancy for this team. And as Dan mentioned, look what he has assisted in doing in Miami over the last couple of years since he's been the offensive coordinator. It's been really impressive. And if you want to think about some of those creative tactics that Miami has done offensively to create mismatches, get guys out in space, I would love to see Frank Smith instill that in Justin Herbert and this Chargers offense. So because of that standpoint, I'm putting him at number three. Number two, should be a surprise to nobody, but Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson, I feel like has, and as Jason had pointed out on his blueprint show, you talk about the creativity that he has been able to put up for that Lions team and what they have been able to do consistently on a weekly basis in terms of putting up points, coming up with creative ways to find mismatches in a defense. I feel like the forward thinking approach that John Spanos is talking about, the culture's changed. And then finally, my number one, obviously, Jim Harbaugh. Culture change, winning formula. Think about how enticing this is for Jim Harbaugh from a standpoint of what he's done in Michigan to, to consider coming to back to the NFL with a quarterback like Justin Herbert, with a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, getting the opportunity to kind of be the pseudo GM in certain points as far as player development goes, that would be what you're looking for. That would be a culture shift. That would be outside the Chargers norm in terms of getting them to pony up for an experienced winning head coach to be able to carry their quarterback over the next five years. I like it. I like it. Three to one. Again, I'm going to go to the characteristics that I think this team needs. It needs a culture shift. Someone who can shift the culture. It needs a strong identity and presence in the locker room, on the field, in the media, scouting, player development, the whole thing. They need someone with a strong presence. They need somebody that can bring success, proven success, to this team. They need someone who can collaborate with others. So, with that. Oh, the other thing. You also got a franchise quarterback that you have to lift up and allow him to thrive. So, number three. I thought about taking the easy way out and just saying Mike Tomlin. But... I'm just going to pretend that Mike Tomlin's not even on the list because I don't think he is. If he if comes he is, on the list, if, if he is, your this, list might change. This changes. Yes. Yes. But for right now, I think I'm with you hundred percent on all three. I think you and I are aligned top to bottom. One, wow. two, three. In Did order. not expect that. <laughs> yes. I didn't expect that at all. Yes. All three, I think bring all of those qualities. Some more than others. But all three of those bring those qualities. Some of the other guys would be enticing. But if I put out all the pros and cons, and again, going back to draft day, everybody has a weakness. Can you live with it? Love how Dan is dropping draft day narratives in here right now. It was now. a beautiful thing last night, by the way. Got me so <laughs> jazzed for April. 
the weaknesses from some of the other candidates, it's not necessarily their fault, but given the roster and given what the team is needing, it kind of makes me say, you know, Shark Tank style, like for those reasons, I'm out. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm at that point for any defensive guy. And it's not their fault, but Justin Herbert needs a guy that can ride with him through all of it, through all the changes. He needs that. He should have that. I'm curious, Dan, if the comments haven't destroyed us already for the lack of Bill Belichick in the rankings, I'm curious to know where he would have been in your rankings. Again, let's consider this that he would be only the head coach and not coming here with GM responsibilities. But see, like that, that's a big disclaimer because it that's is not, a big disclaimer. Because that's not gonna happen. There's but no that's way. also one of the reasons why he's not on our top three. Exactly. There's no way Bill Belichick is coming here and getting a demotion and also getting paid $25 million. It doesn't make sense. And if I was him, I wouldn't do it. Hell no. So but in a pie-in-the-sky world where he's just a head coach making $25 million? He's probably three. He might be three. And although he is a defensive-minded head coach, he's proven that with a talented quarterback, he can ride with him and set him up for success. The other guys haven't. Right. So you pair arguably the best coach of all time with one of the best offensive talents in the NFL. Sound familiar? So he would be four for me. Again, my reservations still stand on what it is. If we're if if literally this was a world where it ended up happening, oh, he might Belichick be four for me over. too. Now, now that you say that, he might be four because what? He's coming here for money. And you don't know how much longer he's going to coach. I mean, you look at guys like Pete Carroll that are still yeah, coaching. You're right. Remember Bruce Arians? I mean, he was getting up there before he ended up winning the Super Bowl and didn't last much long after that. Mm-hmm. Again, it's it's more for tenure. It's a financial standpoint. And to Dan's point that he made, are you comfortable given his track record over the last three years? Not what he did for 20 years with Brady, but are you comfortable looking at that, those draft classes. And if you were to compare those with what Tom Telesco has done over the last three years, if you're looking for improvement in that circumstance, I'm not sure Bill Belichick has the best resume over the last three years to do that. I'm not taking away anything that he did during his Super Bowl runs. Nobody can ever take that away from him. And that is one of the reasons why a lot of people say that this would make sense to have this be kind of his last hurrah with with one other team to go get a Super Bowl to prove it that he could do without Tom Brady. But again, how far is this Chargers team away right now? And how much longer is Bill Belichick going to be coaching for? Those are the things that raises the biggest eyebrows to me. So he would be four if we were really ranking this list in its entirety. There's a lot of things at play here. But this is a coaching candidate that this franchise is so desperately needing. Like, we haven't even talked about the macros of being in L.A. and trying to compete with other teams and compete with the narratives of being cheap and to stay relevant in the L.A. and the NFL. We haven't 
talked about any of that, but like it's it's all also important. This is such an important hire for this team, but probably most important is the fact that you have a franchise quarterback that 25 other teams would trade for in a heartbeat. You have to hit on the head coach and set him up for success because currently the first four years, you can point blame at everybody. doesn't matter. The first four years have not been a success for this organization while having Justin Herbert, period. They have to fix it. And who is the guy who can fix that? Who is best positioned to fix that, to change the culture, to shift the narrative, to bring success, consistency, and respect to this team? We went long today, but I think it's important. Because obviously, this is an important decision. Head coaching yes. job, general manager 100%. job, all two, both of those, they have to link together. 100%. So, and please, any- in the comments, tell Dan and I why we were 100% wrong. I love it. On our list. We're please. never wrong, though. We're never wrong. Please. <laughs> <laughs> please rank your list and how, who your priorities for head coaches are, who you favor. Tell us why we always love this type of discussion because as Dan said, this is a huge, huge hiring decision for the Chargers, both GM and head coach alike. And it's going to get very interesting over these next few weeks. I, I say we're never wrong, but honestly to some of our listeners, viewers, we're never right. Is really, what it is. no, 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 we're, we're, ne- <laughs> we're never right. Zero. Ah, uh, man. Uh, this is going to be a crazy next few weeks. Buckle up because like Jake said, as soon as possibly next week, Monday night, things could be in motion, depending on what happens in that Alabama-Michigan game. Real quick, as a Chargers fan, are you rooting for a win or a loss for Jim there? It's it's kind of weird because, like, from Jim's standpoint, it's like the one thing that's eluded him so far in Michigan is winning the whole damn thing. Or you know, it, took, it took him so long to get over another hump earlier during his tenure in Michigan, the one thing that everybody said that he just was never going to be able to do (laughs) finally did it. But from a standpoint of winning the college championship, it's almost like I would want him to just come over and end this drama and go (laughs) be one and and done in the playoffs. Let's just put everything to bed right now. You know, put everybody out of their misery and just make the announcement that you're going to be the head coach of the chargers, which is going to just throw this, fan base into a great frenzy. But then there's also a part of me to say, like, you know what? If he's going to go out, if this is going to be his last year, then try to go all the way. (laughs) Totally. I'm with you. I think... I'm torn. Because I'm curious which one of those would have him stay. Like, which one is the most likely of him to stay? If he doesn't win, ah, I got to win one. If he stays, dang, top of the mountain. You can make arguments on both sides. Yeah, so... I just want I just want him his team, especially the offense, to crush it. And then the rest is history. For Jake Hafner, Dan Wilkinson, Chargers of Leash, LA Football Network. Guys, gals, thank you so much for tuning in. Happy New Year. We probably will not talk to you before the start of 2024. Thank you guys and gals for everything that you have done for us. Viewing, listening, contributing, comments, likes, subscribes, all of them. Can't do it without you. Excited for what's coming in 2024. Lots of things in store. But until then, talk to you next time on Chargers Unleashed.